If you think like, act like, or are trying to grow like a franchise, then the Franchise Euphoria podcast is for you. Hello and welcome everybody, Josh Brown here, and I created this podcast for one main goal, to help people who are trying to grow their business through franchising or franchise-like structures. I've been practicing law now as a franchise lawyer for many, many years, and I've seen it done the right way and the wrong way. This podcast is not filled with a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo. Rather, I talk with real people, people who have been there, have done it, are doing it right now. And I also dive deep into specific topics related to franchising. So if this is of interest to you, you are at the right place. So super excited today to be speaking with Brittany Driscoll. She is the co-founder of a massage concept called Squeeze, Squeeze Massage. And in 2017, Brittany, who was vice president of marketing at Dry Bar at the time, was tapped to turn Squeeze into a reality by stepping into the role of CEO and spearheading the launch of the brand and the opening of the first location in Los Angeles. So the founder of Dry Bar uh, is Ali Webb. And of course, that turned into a whole phenomenon in itself. And so Ali and Brittany co-founded Squeeze Massage. And really what Squeeze is trying to do is fit in between sort of the super high-end, unaffordable massage experience and the low-end crappy experience and provide great customer service, provide the type of luxury that people who typically pay for the high-end massages get, but also do it in a way that takes care of people and utilizes technology and has great company culture. So uh, as you'll learn from listening into my conversation today with Brittany, you know, they really utilize technology uh, to help and they focus a lot on the culture and the branding of what they provide. Obviously, as with everybody, COVID had a massive impact on their business because they were off to the races uh, when they first began. And uh, you'll learn about that in the interview. But really enjoyed this conversation uh, with Brittany. Uh, you, you could tell, I, I certainly could, that she's a go-getter. And uh, it seems to me like uh, we're going to be hearing a lot more about Squeeze Massage uh, in the very near future. So without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Brittany. Thanks. Hello, Brittany. Welcome to Franchise Euphoria. How you doing? Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you. You're a seasoned entrepreneur. You've been at this for a number of years now, co-founder of a great new brand called Squeeze, but there's a whole backstory, I feel like, to all of it. So why don't you just kick this off by introducing yourself a little bit and telling us about your background? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate the, the seasoned comment, although I feel like we all are constantly learning and growing. And, you know, as you when you start something, it's like you always find that there's so much more to to know. Um, and I think that's, you know, probably been one of the most invigorating aspects of my entrepreneurial journey thus far is just, um, you know, learning from wonderful people and figuring out how to make you know, make something great happen. My background, just, you know, really quickly, I started my career in marketing and advertising. I got a chance to work with amazing brands like Barbie and Hot Wheels, Disney, Coca-Cola, um, worked on several different global campaigns across different channels, figuring out how to um, drive business growth. I loved every 
minute of those experiences. Definitely got to do some very cool things along the way. But after several years of doing that, I wanted to take a lot of the learnings that I had gathered and apply it to a brand that personally resonated with me. And at the time, Drybar, you know, had just entered the marketplace. And that that was 2008, right? Around that time? It was actually 2010. Um, They launched in in 2010. Yes. So they're 11 years old now, which is crazy to say and think. And I actually entered the organization in 2013. So it had been around for a couple of years. The brand had around 25 locations when I started. They were looking, obviously, for a head of marketing, given my background and being such the fan that I was of the experience. And also Allie, who um, just is an amazing entrepreneur herself. I loved the idea of taking all of my learnings, bringing it in-house and, you know, doing it for a brand that, again, I was excited about. And so they had around 25 locations. The product line had test piloted into about 70 Sephora doors. Um, Flash forward to when I left, which was in 2017, I helped open more than 60 doors, onboarded several franchisees, launched the product line into all of the prestige retailers that it is in today, including international expansion into France, Canada, Mexico, Spain, and Australia. So it was an amazing four-year ride. I mean, I just loved every minute of it, in addition to like building the team and all the processes and protocols that came along with opening doors and onboarding franchisees and launching products, you know, the brand really stood for something very powerful, which is, we always used to say we weren't selling blowouts, we were selling happiness and confidence that came with a blowout. And so, you know, I think we all really felt like we were building and creating kind of this, this mission of championing women and creating this awesome experience that, you know, set them on a, on a great trajectory for their day. So, and that was, for me, that was such, so powerful. And I really felt like what a cool thing to be a part of a brand that is truly meaningful in people's lives. And so while Driver has a long trajectory ahead of itself, um, I've always been an entrepreneurial spirit and a builder at heart. And so after those four years, I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, I loved this. And I kind of want to take all of the learnings that I just experienced and go back into building mode and do it all again and like figure, you know, figure out how to find the next dry bar, if you will, and um, apply all my learnings to, to do it like bigger and better. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do or what brand I was, you know, wanting to go to next. I just knew that I was like itching for the next challenge. And so, you know, I told Michael and Allie that I was ready to move on and, you know, I wanted to help them properly transition the next person into my role. I mean, I cared so much about the team and the brand. And as we were going through that, you know, they were they kindly reminded me that they'd always had this other idea in the back of their mind. They just didn't have the bandwidth to get it off the ground. And that idea, of course, was squeeze. It didn't have a name at the time, but you know, they really looked at the massage landscape similar to the salon or the hair industry prior to dry bar, which was there was a hole in the middle. On one end, there were the low end discount chains like Massage Envy, Hand and Stone, et cetera, you know, really created an accessible experience for the majority of Americans, but, you know, today lack a little bit from a customer experience standpoint. And then on the flip side, you've got the high-end spas and hotels, which are lovely, but unattainable, both from a time and resource 
aspect. So like dry, and that was kind of like the same industry landscape as before dry bar. There were low end discount salons, high end salons, nothing that really like brought that higher end experience uh, at an affordable price point. And so that's really where we started with Squeeze. However, the biggest differentiation of our experience is technology. We've built out an app that enables our guests to do everything from book set all their personalized preferences, everything from areas of the body they want focused on, what they want avoided, if they want more or less pressure, if they want oil or lotion, if they prefer their table heated. Um, All of those preferences are saved to their profile and shared with their therapist prior to the guest even walking in. So we've already eliminated kind of the awkward in-person exchanges that exist today in the, in the, you know, typical experience. And then beyond that, we've like added personalization aspects in the room. So you can adjust lighting temperature and music to your liking. We've even added a ready button to our table so the guests can let the therapist know when they're ready for them to re-enter. Um, again, that's actually funny enough. We created that from a guest experience standpoint because that was always like, you know, our experience, you're like rushing to get under the covers, but it's also a, a favorite feature of our therapists because as you can imagine, they've they've had some interesting, <laughs> awkward moments themselves. And so in any case, um, you know, that's one other aspect that we built. And then, like I said, when the massage is over, the guest gets to, we, we like to say they walk in and they float out. They get to stay in that relaxed state of mind, rate, tip, and review on their phone at their leisure, like Uber and Postmates. They can favorite a therapist, easily rebook. So we really tried to just make the whole thing very seamless. And, you know, so far, obviously the past year has been a little nutty, but <laughs> other than that, it's been a really great launch. Sounds like it. And it sounds like, obviously, you know, when you're talking about Dry Bar and you're talking about Ali Webb, who really, it's an amazing story, that in and of itself in a whole industry. I remember, because I've been doing this a long time too in franchising, but I remember when I first heard about Dry Bar, it was probably around then, gosh, it was a long time ago. And somebody mm-hmm. asked me if I was familiar with the concept. I said, look at me. Do you, do you think <laughs> I know what a Dry Bar is? I'm bald. I mean, I have no idea what a Dry What is that? I didn't even know what it was. And now, of course, you see that. You yeah. see that everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so it sounds like the combination between you, Brittany, Ali, and you said Michael as well, kind of came up and fine-tuned this concept of squeeze. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Michael is another um, bald man, as we always <laughs> like to comment on as well. He you know, just believed in his little sister's idea and good thing that he did. Um, but yes, I mean, it was actually really their idea, to be honest. They just didn't have the bandwidth to get it off the ground. And so they were they were kind enough to really give me the opportunity to, to run with it, um, which I'm very, very grateful for. And yeah, you know, I mean, so much of the the dry bar story is such a magical one and, um, so inspirational on many levels. Um, and we've been able to take so many learnings from, from that and apply it to squeeze and also quite frankly, apply a lot of the things that after having built dry bar, we wish we had, you know, had the opportunity to do. Well, see, that's what I love. That's what I was excited to hear about too today, because I mean, so many people who are listening, who tune into this show are tuning in because, because they're going through a similar circumstance. You know, they've, they've got an idea, they've got a dream, they've got some sort of business in mind that either they're thinking about doing, they've already done they're in the midst of doing or redoing. And so many of these things, I mean, you know, a lot of times we talk about all the different things that you know or should know, and here's what you got to plan for. But the reality is sometimes you just got to do, you got to get in there and do stuff and and you learn. So I'd love for you to spend a few minutes talking about that. Some of the things that you learned from the dry bar days that you were able to take over to squeeze so that you wouldn't make some of the same mistakes. 
Yeah, well, and I'll say too, even with experience, there's still so many things that come up once you're actually in the driver's seat doing it all. So, I mean, I think that's such an important thing for everyone to remember too, is no matter how experienced you feel like you are, like there's still going to be so many things as an entrepreneur that get thrown at you that you're not prepared for. And that has to be part of something that you enjoy, like the chaos of the unknown, as I like to say. Um, And I think, you know, that's part of what Michael and Allie saw in me was just the kind of resilience of that mindset and perspective that is so important. But some of the things that we applied, again, just based from our learnings. So the technology piece, I will say, is the biggest one. And it's beneficial across all three layers. So obviously, we built it from a guest standpoint, because none of us are massage therapists. We did partner with consultants out the gate to make sure that we were being mindful of our future staff. But, you know, it was around this experience that we all know, and we love, and we want it to be even better. Um, You know, what are the what are the pain points? So, you know, that's really what our app is set out to do is just like remove all the clunky aspects of the current experience. But it's also so great for the staff because our therapists are able to, again, it's like we've empowered them. They have all of the information at their disposal to create a great experience. And so far in that, not only are they reviewing the preferences prior to the guests walking in, but we've made them um, accessible throughout the massage. So like they have all of the guest preferences via an iPad um, that they we, we designed within the room itself, an area where the iPad sits. So the therapists are able to like see all of that information throughout the massage, again, really making sure that what the guest has asked, we're able to deliver on. And again, I think when you think about the service industry that we're in, I always like to say we're actually in the people industry, not the service industry. It's like anything that you can be doing to empower your people is critical. And so we thought about all of those little things. I think, as I mentioned too, we partnered with uh, with um, massage therapist consultants and we also designed this space to be mindful of their experience. We padded the floors. Like there's so many little things, the rooms, so that when they're working, you know, there's so many little things like that that we've designed from the outset, you know, because we care about the people delivering the experience. And I would say more than anything, that was my biggest takeaway. It was also my biggest inspiration when I started to think through how we could build this business. Because I mean, when Michael and Ali approached me with the idea, I was kind of like, well, let me think about this for a minute. (laughs) I think that I was thinking I would go back into like a dry bar level brand, not necessarily start something from scratch. So I took a little bit of time actually, and I explored a lot of other opportunities that, that were out there, but I told them, I was like, I'll start to build the model and how I think that we could position the brand. And if I end up, you know, not wanting to move forward, I'll, I'll like pass it back to you and you can see if you can find someone else to do it type of thing. And of course, what ended up happening was I really realized as I started to think through like, what are the values of the company and how are like, what are we going to stand for? That there was just such an opportunity in the people space to create a great place where people want to come to work. And so that really has been our focus is the people side of the business. Um, and but I guess going back, I'm, I'm kind of going all over the place, but going back really quickly to like how the technology is benefiting not only the guest and the staff, it also is going to benefit our franchise partners significantly. It's huge. I mean, listen, one of the things that I'm noticing across all franchising, right? I mean, if, you know, one of the things that I, I talk a lot about with people who I work with and talk to and just people generally in the industry is as a franchisor, you have the value proposition 
at the outset of the relationship. That should be clear right here. You're going to give somebody a playbook. You're going to give them a brand or the building of a brand, and you're going to give them some operational pieces, some marketing pieces, and so forth. That should go without saying. The key, though, is what happens a year, year and a half down the road when now they know how to run the business, and now they're still paying royalties. They're still paying those fees. They need to be able to say to themselves, yes, I'm still getting amazing value from the franchisor. And so often that comes from technology. Yeah. Because you you're the R&D for the technology and making sure that they stay ahead of the game. Exactly. And I mean the great thing about having built everything that we did from the outset of this business is the innovation piece and the ability to continue to innovate will be so much easier because we have the foundation set. And we knew again again taking learnings from Driver, unlike Driver where Ali opened her first location in LA and they just kind of stumbled into the success that they found. You know, we started squeeze with the intention of franchising. We knew that we were going to support local small business owners in the future. And so every decision that we made was like, okay, can franchisee number 28 and then 75 and then 642, (laughs) like do their job with how we're, you know, building this right now. I love that because doesn't that make it so much easier? I mean, if you start knowing that you want to go down a franchise model, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, I tell people all the time, if you don't like franchising for one reason or another, but you just build your business thinking like a franchise, right. you're going to be a better business 100%. because now you're thinking about, hey, I'm not just concerned about how I operate this one location. How is this going to translate to store two, three, or exactly. 642, like you said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> yeah, optimistic. Exactly, exactly. And so so the technology piece, again, because it streamlines the guest experience, it streamlines the staff experience, but it also, like on the back end, like think about financial reports and a lot of the administration side of what franchisees who are accustomed to having like their own point of sale and their locations, et cetera, all of that is going to be automated and streamlined on our side of things. So it's like their focus gets to truly be on the experience. And in addition to that, one of the things that we've done that I'm super excited about is we have a centralized guest service team, which I know that in and of itself is nothing special. However, what we're doing is we're building them to be two-pronged, if you will. So it's like, not only are they going to be able to support the guest experience, but they're also going to be like first line for the franchisees. So at any given, because a lot of the times, you know, there's one person in the organization that the franchisee has access to, to like ask questions. Um, and so we're going to build an entire team that is accessible, basically, I mean, not fully 24 seven, but within the operating hours of each time zone that they'll have access to someone who can like immediately respond to and address any issue. And so I think that again, when you think about scaling a system, having access to someone like that, you know, whenever you need them, it is also game changing that. And then, you know, the tech, the other piece of the technology side is just the, the ability to have a slimmer in-shop team staff, you know, so it's like, you're not, you know, we don't have three people at the front desk. We have one maitre d' because, you know, our systems are able to support a lot of the, the things that are manually done. What kind of research did you do at the outset into, you know, the massage franchise industry before you, because obviously it sounds like you weren't thinking about a massage franchise, but the opportunity was presented and then you're like, oh, this could be good. I mean, there are other franchise massage uh, businesses that have done well. Um, 
and so forth. But what kind of, I'm just kind of curious what kind of research you did into it at the outset. Yeah. I mean, to your point, because there are many successful brands, um, you know, I definitely was able to get an understanding of like their financial model and, you know, what particular aspects of the businesses did well, you know, how fast they were able to scale. So yeah, so the access to that information was super helpful just in terms of laying the groundwork. But also we did do consumer research. So again, really trying to understand like what are the pain points within the current system right now. And then also, again, on the on the people side of the business, like the staffing, because the, the reality is the demand, demand for massage is like endless. Like we all want a massage and we want it now and yesterday and today and tomorrow. Like, and especially post pandemic, I'm even more bullish on, you know, massage as an experience and as an aspect of someone's wellness routine. Like it, that is absolutely going to be there. Um, but you need, you need therapists and a great team to be able to deliver a great experience. And so again, we just focused so much on like, okay, how can we create a great culture? How can we create operations that feel relational, which, which sounds odd, um, especially with technology, like technology can either inhibit connection or advance it. And so we really tried with every decision again that we made, like we've got a really strong communication platform whereby the team can communicate with any of us management and, or, you know, other people on the staff at any given time. And so it's like, we've, we've just tried to create accessibility and also really strong feedback loops for the team so that they feel like management does actually care and we do listen and we are thinking of them. And that was a that was a big piece of my personal desire to do this was I felt like, oh, how cool that we're going to be able to like reshape the industry to be people first and people focused. I think that unfortunately that has been lost quite a bit um, within the industry. And so that's really our focus. It's also why we chose to franchise, you know, at Drybar, we not only saw that our franchise partners end up performing much better than corporate locations, but also I loved the idea from my own experience as this being my first entrepreneurial venture. And then just seeing how we were impacting people's lives. Like I loved the idea of creating this awesome community of small business owners that are all going to have each other as, you know, outlets and, and support, but that they get to experience this like magic in their own community. I mean, it's been phenomenal. So we opened our first location in March of 2019 in Studio City, and then um, we were open for like 11 months <laughs> and then, and then COVID hit. So we're, we're really just re-gearing back up. Yeah. And so it's, it's exciting to me. I've just experienced so much purpose and fulfillment in what we've created. And I know that there are other people out there like myself who are wellness and health focused, but who really want to feel like they're making a difference. And I do believe that the way that we've built this business and the operations that we've put in place creates just true connection at every level. And it's pretty special. And I guess the one other thing I'll say on like the feel good side of the business that was also very intentional from the outset was we partnered with a philanthropy called Canine Companions for Independence. Um, they're the largest philanthropic organization that helps to provide service dogs free of charge to people, children, and veterans with disabilities. And so for every membership that we sell, we're helping to provide a day of canine support to, to a person with a disability. And that has just brought so much, again, like fulfillment, meaning, intentionality on both the guest and the staff side. So it's like guests, our members feel, you know, like they're doing good and contributing to our system, but our 
therapists also and our entire team, you know, it's like cool to show up to work every day where not only the service that you're providing makes people feel good, but you know, like we're doing good beyond our four walls. That's special. And, you know, so I think that that will be, I'm excited about that at scale also, because what a cool thing we'll eventually be able to do with 642 franchises. And that'd be awesome. I can't wait to talk to you when you have that. (laughs) Yeah, you and me both. I know. So let's talk about the franchise experience. Let's talk about franchisees. I mean, obviously, you so you guys kicked this thing off in, uh, you said, March 2019. The world changes a year later. Prior to COVID, it seems like you guys were off to a fast start. I mean, you had identified an area of the market that not only could be filled, but could be tweaked a little bit, added the technology piece of it. Clearly, I think from experiences with dry bar and so forth, you have a great design component to it and you open up in studio city the studio city operation is that the prototypical operation that you're looking to expand through franchising or is it is it a smaller footprint is it the same kind of footprint and design yeah so there's definitely some learnings that we've had along the way that we're making a few adjustments on the design side but not anything major and or impactful the overall footprint of the location will be between 2,800 and 3,000 square feet, uh, between 10 and 12 rooms. Of course, there's going to be certain markets where it makes sense to, you know, have a larger footprint and more rooms than that, but that will be prototypical. I mean, again, the intention of wanting to personalize the in-suite experience uh, is, is definitely still in line and, you know, making it a very seamless experience. So yes, I mean, Again, there's always going to be learnings and like adjustments that we make along the way, but nothing major. So what's the type of franchisee you're looking to attract to the system? Number one, are you looking for, for single unit operators? Are you looking for people to come in and buy multiple locations or, or what's the strategy? Yeah. I mean, I think if there is a very sophisticated multi-unit operator that is interested in five plus units, like we would love to entertain that conversation. But for right now, we're looking for, you know, operating partners who are interested in one to three units. And, you know, I think the intention behind that is just really making sure that we can get these open and to do it quickly. And also people who are very passionate about this space and the business. You know, we really want people who are brand advocates who want to create just like, you know, an amazing experience out the gate. So definitely open to the, to the larger players, but focusing on the one to three unit right now. Well, it's interesting because I mean, you guys are young and and new, but also really, really experienced because of dry bar. Yeah. Which is awesome. I mean, it's a great dovetail because, you know, usually when you've got newer franchisors, a lot of the pushback that you're going to get as a franchisor from prospective franchisees is, how do you know if this is going to work? Is mm-hmm. this going to work in a different market? Well, you you have some good answers, I think, to to that. Even though it's a new concept, yeah, it's still in the same industry, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. The dry bar experience plus the massage in and of itself, the industry is proven. I mean, dry bar was an entirely new concept, right? That, yeah. Like, it's like... For people like you, I'm sure you're like, what? But we know women are going to spend 40 bucks to go in and get their hair styled every week. Um, and we did have to prove that several times over. The great thing is that has already been proven several times over in the massage space. We are just making it better. I always like to compare us to, you know, the Uber and Postmates of the world. It's like Uber just made taxis more efficient. Postmates just made, you know, meal delivery more efficient. We're not re we're not creating anything. We're just reinventing and 
and making the experience better. So yeah, so in that sense, with the driver experience that we have, the learnings that we've gained, what we've been able to actually apply, and then the industry being proven, we like to think it's a no brainer. (laughs) Well, how are you going? I mean, it seems like with this kind of model, you know, a franchisee who's going to come in, as an operator, is truly going to be operating the business, you know, looking at the the profit and loss, the balance sheets, running the numbers. Yeah. They're not going to be in there giving the massages, right? So you right. got to you got to get the so you're looking for somebody who, you know, has a passion for this type of business, but also has a business acumen of, of yes, sorts, right? Absolutely. So, right. It, I mean, people who have a strong operations background, certainly team management, because again, you could be looking at upwards of 30 plus people that, you know, are working in one location. Anyone who has a, a wellness background uh, and or even technology, actually, our first operating partner who is out of Denver, um, you know, her background was in, in technology and operations, but she had such strong, again, operational experience and then team management. Like she was, you know, the the number one manager of the year, supported her team. Like it's like we, we want people who understand people because we've got the rest of it pretty much ready to hand over to you and playbooks and systems and learning management platforms, et cetera. So it's like the, the people aspect is probably the most important tied with, of course, some some business and savvy and operational experience. So if like on Squeeze's part, is there training? Obviously, there's training for the franchisee, for the owner yeah, operator, how to how absolutely. to operate the business. I'm envisioning. I, I don't know this. I've never I've never owned a, you know a business like this, but I'm a, I'm imagining one of the challenges is you know getting good massage therapists. You know, licensed yeah. massage therapists. There's lots of people out there that do it, but having that right combination of ability and personality and and all that kind of stuff. Um, is there any component to to Squeeze that helps? in identifying and finding those people um, and or in training them, you know, or are they already coming certified? I mean, they will all be coming certified. However, we have a very clear recruiting playbook where we, you know, set you up to hire all of the positions within the shop and help to identify um, not only local schools, but also digitally how to, um, maximize those efforts. And then we 100% have full training around once those people are are on board, again, even though they're certified in massage, we want to make sure that they understand the squeeze experience and the specificity around what our processes are. So yes, I mean, at every level and layer within the organization um, of the shop, we have a full training protocol and and also access to support if and when needed. And that the training includes both having the operating partner, their shop manager, and even potentially their um, lead therapist out to our shop. And then certainly at opening, our team will be on the ground supporting them as well. Well, so in our remaining few minutes here, let's talk about covid um, oh, yes. not the disease itself, but the impact yeah. of yes. of it on your business and, and how you guys got through that. I mean, talk, talk about, I, I know it obviously had a major, major impact. I mean, it looks like, gosh, before you guys had tons of five-star reviews and you were rocking and rolling out yeah. of that um, Studio we City were. location. We were rocking and rolling and an NPS of 92, five-star reviews on Google and Yelp. And yeah, I mean, we were, we were well on our way. Um, the business did, you know, over a million and a half in its first year or its first 11 months, I should say. Personally, it was a very challenging time just because I'm such a 
bulldog. <laughs> There's really like no stopping me when I, you know, put my mind to something. And so just the fact that we literally, you know, had our hands tied and there was nothing that we could do was, was very hard. Um, but, you know, for the business itself, it's kind of interesting. We certainly with the Studio City team are far more connected just at like a visceral emotional level that I feel like now that everyone is back at work, there's this massive appreciation and just gratitude to be back together and to be back doing what we love. And I would say that when we, we had already created such an amazing culture and we had such amazing people, but it's like, after you go through something like that, just the, you know, the coming back together was um, really powerful and, and amazing. And I think that that, again, just kind of, we, we spent so much time throughout the pandemic focusing on our people, connecting with our people, going back again to like who they are, not just what they do. Like there's so much emphasis that we're, we place around that. And I think that that's benefited us as we've reopened. So, you know, I feel almost like in a well, way- What did you guys do though? Like in that, I mean, you were forced, I mean, in California, you yeah. guys were forced to close, you were just shut down. Yes. Well, I mean, I, you know, we actually kept everyone on board for the first month. So we, we were, everyone remained on payroll. I was hoping that it wasn't going to be what it ended up being. Um, you know, so we kind of ran that as, as long as we could. And again, that was like a commitment in demonstrating that we do truly, you know, put our people first and we've, we've got this value called the feel good revolution. And we, we wanted people to feel confident and, you know, assured that they were going to have a job when they came back. But then once we had to furlough everyone, I mean, it was, it was honestly just keeping open lines of communication. I mean, I personally reached out to our team consistently, phone calls, text messages. Um, We did a few like team Zooms. So people were, you know, able to see each other and touch base on how they were doing. But, but I mean, at the end of the day, it was just demonstrating that we cared and that we were still there and reassuring everyone that, you know, it wasn't a matter of if it was just a matter of when we would reopen. And, um, and so, and again, I think that that really went a long way and meant a lot to the team, you know, and having confidence that they would have a job when, when this was all said and done. And I think the other thing for franchising that's exciting is, Um, you know, in a way I'm kind of grateful that we didn't have a ton of small business owners to support through this time because what a stress. That actually, you know, that's a really good point. That's a really good (laughs) point, Brittany, because seriously, like this is, I mean, I've seen this, it has been a struggle for a lot of folks because, well, number one, if you're just forced to shut down, what can you really do? I mean, you know, a lot of people looked at, you know, digital type programs or other kinds of ways to provide value to, to their members, but I didn't even really think about it until you just mentioned it. That's really true. The fact you guys didn't really have anybody that yeah. other, you had your, you had your studio. Exactly. But now. Yeah. But now I feel like we're set up even better to be honest, because we obviously utilize the time to our advantage and we've like sophisticated all of our operations playbooks and everything that is going to be needed to support future operating partners on the admin side. But also, I mean, post pandemic, 80% of Americans are going to be spending more time focusing on their wellness and prioritizing that. Not to mention that for operating partners, they're going to be able to take advantage of great real estate. And I think we all know just from history with recessions, both franchising and massage therapy rise (laughs) post-recession. So it's like, I, I feel just that much more confident in everything as we move forward. Well, I mean, I think that one of the silver linings as you're talking about is that COVID beyond the health aspects was a forced 
slow down for everybody and a forced simplification. I know in my own life, I had been wanting to forever, you know, work more from home and go for walks every day and do those sorts of things. And then it was like, well, okay, shit, I'm, at a, I'm home doing it. I mean, I'm at home. Why don't I just go for a walk, you know? So Brittany, as we get to sort of the, the final part of the interview, t- tell me a little bit about, you know, what are the plans uh, for the future for Squeeze? Yeah, so we are currently franchising the concept. We're speaking with small business owners and entrepreneurs all around the country who are interested in, you know, really taking their future into their own hands and bringing a great um, experience to their community. We we love the idea of franchising for many of the reasons that we spoke about, but really just you know, giving people the tools to create something meaningful, you know, in their city and their town and really hopefully just impacting both their guests and team members for good is really our our big vision here. So, yeah, I mean, we've got our one location in Los Angeles and hoping to be in places like Scottsdale and Salt Lake City and Dallas and Houston and anywhere in, you know, the tri-state area, D.C., Atlanta, um, Nashville, certainly. This is where I'm headquartered. And um, and then also Florida is a big target market for us. And we're speaking with several people in all of those areas. But for anyone who's listening who might be interested, you know, we'd love to, we'd love to chat. Well, it sounds fantastic. If anybody wants to learn more about Squeeze Massage, you can go to squeezemassage.com forward slash franchising. That is squeezemassage.com forward slash franchising. Brittany, you've got all these Facebook links and Twitter and all that stuff. Would you want people to reach out to you directly or go to the Squeeze Massage page? Yeah, the Squeeze Massage dot com slash franchising page is the best place to go to to learn a lot more about um the concept what we're looking for there's also a form at the bottom where you can fill in your information and once that is filled and submitted our team will reach out immediately to discuss more so that's definitely the best place but if you just want to stay in touch with us we definitely encourage you know anyone to follow us on instagram it's just the simple at squeeze or, uh, or on Facebook as well. Well, listen, first of all, congratulations just making it through this last hellacious year. And I'm saying that Thank seriously. You. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who haven't made it through. So you guys, yeah. I know it's tough. It's still tough, but the future is looking brighter. And hopefully a year from now, we'll catch back up and you, you'll have multiple locations in all those uh, areas that you highlighted. Yes, I look forward to that very much. And thank you so much for having me too. It's been very fun. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Franchise Euphoria. If you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. It really helps to get this show out to more and more people. Also, if you have any questions, have ideas for guests or topics, please email me, josh at IndieFranchiseLaw.com. That's josh at IndieFranchiseLaw.com. And finally, please note that this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes and is not in any way, shape, or form meant to be any kind of legal advice. If you're seeking legal advice, please contact a lawyer. Have a great one. Happy franchising.